It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings. And here we are, a few days away from the final four. Do me a favor. Get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. Get the regular DraftKings app on your phone and throw the code Ross in and go nuts on the Final Four. Hit me up on social as well, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Love, love, love when you guys show love and that you appreciate the show. We are at Ross Tucker Pod on social. And really, if you're not listening or watching the other shows, such as... Even Money podcast, which was amazing yesterday with Sean Grady from Australia breaking down all the data from the last five years on that podcast. That If you're a data guy or if you're into betting, make sure you listen to Even Money podcast. We're having a great week on the Ross Tucker football podcast as well. College draft, business of sports. If you do nothing else, go to YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL And just check out the highlight clips of the other shows to see if you want to watch the full episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I know you'll really enjoy today's episode of the Fantasy Feast. As promised, we have a legend among us. His name is John Hansen. He is the fantasy guru. You are not. Now, look, it would be going too far to say that he invented fantasy football. That's too far. Too far. But well, well, in, in all sincerity, John, at yeah. fantasy underscore guru, by the way, is his Twitter handle. This guy starts and sells websites, buys them back, starts a new one. I mean, this guy is a pioneer in the fantasy sports industry. He's one of the partners with Joe Dolan at fantasypoints.com, where all of you Get a new code for this year. He didn't have to do that, by the way. 21 Feast. Didn't, you know, he kind of already got you. You love the content. You signed up last year. No, that's not John Hansen way. John Hansen gave you another code for this year. 21 Feast. Because he's just that nice of a guy. Without further ado, Mr. John Hansen. What's up, Guru? Oh, well, we're out of time, Ross. You know, unfortunately, I really uh, it was a very long intro, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, happy to be back with you. Uh, just spending some time in your green room at... I love what you've done to the place. Uh, your choice of paint colors is uh, truly gets my uh, juices flowing. One suggestion, though, for a, a green room snack, everything Parma crisps. Oh, delicious. Delicious. Never heard so, of them. Oh, Parma crisps. Oh, no, what's a Parma crisp? It's, um, it's some sort of cheese product. Um, it's like a little baked little thing, you know, like when you go to a real fancy restaurant and you get like a Caesar salad and it's got like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like that, man. It's really good. So just, oh. Hey, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I know you haven't probably flown much, uh, since the pandemic. I did fly a lot. Uh, they're very popular on planes, uh, for example. And, uh, I would frequently ask for uh, multiple bags, which is not something I do normally, but they're delicious. Oh, right, because you fly to L.A. all season for the DirecTV show, right? 
Yeah, I did. Uh, what was it? 36 cross-country flights during the pandemic. Zero, zero instances. So it wasn't, wasn't that bad. Just wear the mask and keep your distance and uh, upgrade to first class if you can, which I did a lot. And it was a lot of, uh, cheaper because not many people were flying. So it was like basically normal prices for first class. So that's what I did. Oh, that's nice. So anyway, the, the John's everywhere. He's been on the show before, multiple times before. So most of you that are loyal listeners, you know his background going back to the 90s. Unbelievable. Um, look, he is the fantasy analyst and consultant for the stars, okay? Like Paul Rudd has him on speed dial. It's unbelievable. Let's start with this, though. John, you've been doing this for 25, however many years. Yeah, yeah. I, good, I literally good, lost good. track, by the way. I literally lost track. Good call on starting a new website in a pandemic, bro. Good timing there. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking uh, about it on one hand, like, well, if everyone, if we're going to play football and everyone is going to be kind of stuck at home, the ratings are going to be through the roof, which didn't really happen. I think the ratings were up for sure. But uh, yeah, that was not great. But um Business was a little down, I think, across the board. I think there were a lot of people who kind of got into their head in the summer that I'm not going to commit to this. I'm not going to commit to my league. I'm going to opt out, basically. People opted out. So business was down, I think, across the board in the industry, but uh, it was still real solid. Um, we, we were pretty pretty happy with it. You know, It's very competitive, as you know, but the beauty of the website is we've got five, six, seven – contributors and, and active contributors who all have their own little following. So uh, it, it went well. Yeah, it went well. So here's the thing. We've had a lot of them on the show over the years, right? Obviously, Joe almost every week, Tom Brawley, Scott Barrett, Graham Barfield, etc. Now, uh, you're, you're, the, you're the owner of the site. Those guys are all owners, co-owners with you. What I tell people is, if you actually do the research, right, Greg Cosell is over there, Adam Kaplan, whatever, you guys are giving more content. So you have more analysts, more content for less money than yeah. the other ones I looked out there. I mean, is that like the simplest elevator sales pitch for fantasypoints.com I can throw out there? I, I think it's um, – I've always been about volume, keep the cost low – and keep people forever and just get more customers. And uh, it feels like a money grab when you really uh, jack up prices to a point where it's like, wow, I actually need to take a home equity loan out to subscribe to this website. You know, that's that's certainly not good. Now, that said, I did kind of undersell myself for a number of years. But when you have double digit growth in a startup company for 19 straight years, you know, it's hard to it's hard to feel like, wow, I'm really screwing up here. You know, I got to change something. So that's kind of what I went from 150 subscribers in 1995 to 35,000 when the website was sold uh, in 2015. So that's that's kind of what we're still doing. Like we're here for the long haul. We're not looking to get all your money. Um, we want to keep it very affordable and know that you're going to be a customer for literally multiple decades. Dude, that is unbelievable 150 to 35,000 subscribers 
in 20 years. That is awesome, man. It really is. And because of that, you've got ridiculous experience. So the last two weeks, Joe and I went over basically free agency, right? So the first week we yeah. did the first wave of free agency. The second week we did most of the big players in the second week of free agency. When I have you on, Guru, I like to lean on your experience because there's a lot of people that have been doing fantasy the last five, 10 years, right? We know that. Yeah, yeah, sure. You've been sure. doing it forever, okay, forever. Right. So in general, over the years, because you started right when free agency started, what Pretty have much. you found the impact of free agency to be from a fantasy standpoint? In other words, my sense is, we get real excited about the guys that sign these big contracts, but yep. then at the end of the year, not, not many of them actually produce for your fantasy team, your fantasy lineup, like yep. everybody thought they would. That maybe yep. it's a little – we get a little over-exuberant. Am I right yep. or am I wrong? No, you're right. I, I was saying this week, actually, um, that typically this time of the year, uh, lately, I've become like a grumpy old man because – most of the moves these teams are making, they're not doing it with our fantasy football fortunes in mind. So oftentimes you have signings that, you know, aren't great. Uh, trying to think of a good example, like your boy Fitzmagic was great. Um, but I thought Corey Davis would have been nice uh, X receiver opposite Terry McLaurin, for example, for the football team. But you are absolutely right. It is March. We are looking. We're starving for information. We're starving for analysis. There are always some good moves, no doubt about it, that make a ton of sense or very logical, and we can get behind them. But you're right. More often than not, we kind of oversell it. And by the way, when you when we get into August, we're not really going to be thinking back to Corey Davis and a lot of these moves. There will be some, but it'll all kind of blend together. And it, it'll be part of the big picture. And it won't really mean nearly as much as we think it does in March. So I might be wrong, John. I mean, I, I am really surprised that the first two receivers to sign who got like the most money other than Galladay yeah. were Corey Davis and Nelson Aguilar. I mean, I, I guess my takeaway there is that your draft status never leaves you. Davis. Correct me if I'm mistaken, is essentially like a one-year wonder playing opposite A.J. Brown, who's a totally. total stud and took all the coverage, even though he was hurt last year. And then Aguilar is a human roller coaster yep. of a football player. And that's who the Patriots targeted right away. And that's who the Jets targeted right away, as opposed to the Galladays, the Jujus. Yeah. Uh, you know, Will Fuller, I know has health issues, whatever, but so does Galladay. Like, I, I I don't want anything to do with Corey Davis and Aguilar for fantasy next year. I, I'm not buying especially especially when you consider what I think their quarterback situations will be. Yeah, totally. I do like the fact that the Patriots do what I kind of like to do, and that is try to acquire as many high draft capital guys as possible, you know, uh former number one pick. Um What's that? You're a bust. Philip Dorsett, we'll give you a shot. Why? Because you're number one pick. So I think that's part of it with Algalar. I think the inside-outside versatility that it brings to the table was appealing to them, most likely with uh, Julian Edelman. We just don't know about his status. But at the end of the day, when you take a step back, and you mentioned the 
the experience. And I do believe that that really does help me because I, I'm, I'm drawing on a base of knowledge that I don't even know I have basically, you know, from doing this for so long. But at the end of the day, you know, you take a step back and you're like, oh, well, let me get this straight. Nelson Aguilar, a borderline boss, does a 2017 first round pick going to the Patriots where veteran receivers go to die in a run-based offense with Cam Newton or a rookie at quarterback. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we just added arguably the best one to punch a tight end, and there's only one football. It's a run-based offense. Like, good luck, guys, with that. You know, I'm with you. And then Corey Davis, everything you mapped out was perfect. Um, you know, I do think he's talented, uh, great route runner, good hands, but I think we've kind of learned over the years, you know, he can be taken out by good press man coverage. So um, I don't think he's going to get uh, much help uh, playing with the Jets. Uh, and, you know, we don't know about the quarterback. So, yeah, I I'm totally with you. But I did I did love the Galladay move. Uh, not exactly for Galladay, but for my man Danny Dimes. I think Danny Dimes, Ross, not to steer you in a certain direction, but I think Daniel Jones was the biggest winner thus far in free agency. I can see that. You know, it's funny. I, t I mentioned this to Joe last week. I did some digging on Galladay just because I had seen – I had heard some people talking about him, so I talked to some people about Galladay. I thought it was a little weird that there wasn't more of a market for him. Yeah. I thought it was weird that these teams all wanted him to visit first. and that he The got injury stuff, yeah, I think was a problem. Yeah, it, well, so there's a few things. One is on the purely football side, there's question about his ability to separate, you know, and yeah. there's some concern he's mainly just – a bigger-bodied, contested catch guy and not a guy yeah. that yeah. gets a lot of natural separation. Yep. And, you know, there were a few things that happened in Detroit last year off the field, even when maybe his injuries were behind him, but he still wasn't out there on the field. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, maybe he did the right thing. You know, maybe he's like, I'm not feeling healthy enough. I'm not going out there and re-injuring something for this terrible team when I'm going to be a yeah. free agent. Yeah. But yeah. there were just people that were concerned about him. So I'll be very curious to see how that works out for him with the Giants. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's like a chicken or the egg thing, too, with the, oh, he's a great contested catch guy. He's great. Why? Well, he has a lot of practice because all the catches are contested because he doesn't get <laughs> separation. But, you know, on the other hand um, – the guy's never been under 15.2 yards per reception um, and a career number of 16.8 in four years is pretty hard to argue against. He can make plays at all three levels of the defense. He can stretch the field from that X receiver spot there on the outside. And then he knocks everybody else down a peg in terms of his uh, Danny Dimes, his guy uh, Shepard, who I've always loved. And then Darius Slayton, you can kind of move him to Z. And Evan Ingram, of course, as well. Now, all these guys are injury risks. This could all blow up. But certainly on paper, Ross, um, it really does look great. I thought that uh, Jason Garrett kind of found his uh, found his way working with Evan Ingram as the season progressed. You noticed different routes that he was running, and he was a little bit more productive. I know he was not wonderful. Um, you bring in Kyle Rudolph, who's a good blocking tight end. Obviously, you get Saquon back. That's huge. The offense should really go through him. You get Nate Solder back as well. I, look, I give him a lot of credit, too, for at least trying 
to upgrade the offensive line. We'll see about Thomas and Hernandez and, and Solder. It's not a great line, but maybe it won't be terrible. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm a, I'm a Daniel Jones believer. I know uh, people like to make fun of him and all that, but uh, Ross, you know, I mean, the man is 23 years old, 23 years old as we sit here. And a lot of people are already writing him off, which I think is absurd. I believe he's got the talent to be a star. It does have to all come together. We need some fine tuning and we need a lot of things going well, but show me where he's deficient. I mean, he's athletic. He's got a good arm. It's a live arm. Um, it's not a cannon, but it's it's good. Um, he makes all the throws. Ball location's good. Accuracy is um, very good. Very athletic. Obviously, you know, the deficiencies are ball security, of course, but at least he did improve in that regard, improving the interception rate, and he fumbled fewer times. So he's shaky, man, but, you know, there's a reason you can get him 200 picks into a draft, too. I'll take him a 1,000 times out of a 1,000, like right now at, like, 190 overall in best ball, which is, like, where he's going off the board. Nothing but upside there. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about the guys that moved or at least re-signed this offseason – Fitz to Washington, Jameis, New Orleans, Andy Dalton, Chicago, Cam Newton back in New England. Even maybe you should say mention Tyrod Taylor in Houston with all the Deshaun Watson stuff. Jacoby Brissett with the Dolphins. Is there a guy in that group, John, that you are higher on or lower on significantly than the consensus from a fantasy perspective? I mean, it's all it's all Fitz magic. I mean, everything's coming up Fitz magic. And the guy's peaking at 38, basically. You know, <laughs> he's been a borderline fantasy starter more often than not when he's played the last three seasons. Seven starts this year. He was a new team, by the way, in, during a pandemic. Seven starts. He was a top 12 quarterback five times. You know, back in Tampa, led the NFL and YPA back in uh, 2018 with uh, 9.7. McLaurin's going to love him, obviously, and vice versa. He'll love McLaurin. Fitz is much more aggressive than Alex Smith, obviously. You know, almost double the uh, average depth of target from Alex Smith. He was really underhanded throwing footballs. Um, so, yeah, you add in Curtis Samuel. I was kind of hoping for that big X receiver. They may still do that in the draft, but uh, certainly Curtis Samuel knows the offense, of course, with Ron Turner and, and Rivera. So, He'll get the most out of everybody. And that's what you love about him. I also think it's solid news for Logan Thomas. You know, you remember that game in week 16. I remember thinking, where the hell's Gasicki watching that on a Saturday night? Where's Gasicki? Where the hell is he? They pull Tua, they put in Fitz, boom, Gasicki down the seam for like 27. You know, yep. so I think I think it's good for Logan Thomas as well. Oh, by the way, and I love Antonio Gibson. Like, oh, baby, second round pick all day long. Wow. All right. I like that. Well, speaking of running backs. So the biggest names, John, went back. Aaron Jones back to Green Bay. Chris Carson back to Seattle. I'm assuming, based on what we were saying earlier about guys switching teams and that sometimes being fool's gold, I'm assuming yeah. we like that and that that's best-case scenario when, when studs like that go back to their current teams. Is that fair? I think so. I think uh, I was asked, actually, where would you rather have Aaron Jones in Green Bay or Miami? I know Miami's upgrading an offensive line and all that, but and Green Bay lost Corey Lindsley, which sucked. It probably was a function of while well, signing Aaron Jones. <laughs> they probably couldn't afford him for that. But I think, yeah, I, I'd rather I'd rather the continuity. 
And um, I like how they've kind of managed Aaron Jones. And by the way, I, I must have a good feel for it. I literally got his projection exactly right last year across the board. I had his number of rushing touchdowns, right? Receiving touchdowns, everything carries yards, cat catches were a little off, maybe like three, four, but it was like, wow. And at this point, the reason is when you have a significant body of work, you're entrenched in an established offense. You have established yourself. You know, you can pretty much predict the future, you know, like Matt Ryan. It's like a joke. The last five years, like it's easy. He's going to throw 630 passes is going to complete 65% of them. 65 point. Now, you know what I mean? Like, so uh, I feel like Aaron Jones though, will get a small boost in terms of no Jamal Williams. Obviously uh, he vacated. I think I had the number here. It was like 30, 35. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was two and a half targets a game. Um, with Jamal Williams gone. Uh, A.J. Dillon, I have actually interviewed him a number of times. He swears to me that he can catch the ball pretty well. Uh, <laughs> he did catch all three of his targets, uh, for that, for what it's worth, but I only gave him, like, uh, I think I literally gave him uh, 1.5 targets a game, and that was even assuming, because uh, I already actually did the projection, by the way. Um, so A.J. Dillon, unfortunately, I have him, um, with um, a good number of carries, but only like 12 catches. So in PPR, it's really hard for him to uh, compete, so to speak. But on the other hand, with Aaron Jones, uh, he does get a boost here. Um, I have Aaron Jones with 61 grabs on the season, uh, 286 fantasy points, which would be about RB6, I believe, last year. So, yeah, I think it's a slight upgrade for Aaron Jones retaining his spot in Green Bay with the Jamal Williams uh, heading out. and then. Again, you're replaced by A.J. Dillon, but A.J. Dillon's not going to catch the ball. Ross, I want your your uh, reaction to my theory because I said this last summer with LaFleur, wondering, like, what are they doing taking A.J. Dillon in round number two? It, it just kind of struck me watching Aaron Jones that in the passing game, I'm like, you know what? He looks like Alvin Kamara out there. So then I thought, okay, maybe they want like a one-two, like an Ingram Kamara, basically. Yes. And I think that's I think that's good. I think that's what they're doing in uh, in Green Bay, and I, I like it. I think AJ Dillon is really intriguing. Again, non PPR, you're looking great. Uh, in PPR, though, it's his upside is capped. You know, it's interesting. I remember being talking to the New Orleans coaches on the field before the game. The game they were getting Mark Ingram back from suspension. I can't remember what he was suspended for, but he was or suspended or hurt or something, right? Yeah, Mark Ingram a couple years ago. And they were so happy because they were so scared of overusing Kamara and Kamara getting hurt when Ingram wasn't there. They liked to use Kamara on third down. They liked to use Kamara in the passing game. And they were almost like nervous every game without Ingram. It was like they were nervous Kamara wasn't going to be able to hold up. He was going to get hurt. They were so happy when Ingram was coming back. I feel like that's probably where the Packers are, where it's like they know how good Jones is. They don't want to overuse him. They they want to use him for critical passing plays, and they want him to be fresh in January. Totally, and and we have seen that. Uh, He has been fresh in January. So 
my numbers for him were almost exactly the same as last year. 205 carries for 985 rushing yards, but again, that 60, the 61 grabs. So yeah, 260 touches. I actually even projected him missing two games, which he did. So apparently, I'm the uh, Aaron Jones uh, <laughs> uh, Maven. I, I got the, I got this on lockdown right now. All right, so wide receivers. We talked about Corey Davis and Aguilar. Out of these other moves, give me one that you feel strongly about, either positively or negatively. A.J. Green, Arizona, Marvin Jones, Jacksonville, Emmanuel Sanders, Buffalo, the born identity, New England. Juju back in Pittsburgh. Did not yeah. see that one coming. Yeah. Will Fuller with Tua in Miami. Yeah. You talked about Samuel already. John Brown with the Raiders. Josh Reynolds, sneaky in yeah, Tennessee. Deshaun yeah. Jackson going back, back to Cali, Cali. Keelan yeah. Cole. Who did Keelan Cole sign with? The Jets? Yes. Yeah. He, is right. a, he is a fantasy pest, by the way. I, love, I told you about Keelan Cole like four years ago. He was an undrafted piece of whatever from some school I can't remember. I was like, this guy's good. This guy, I, I, I don't know why they don't give him the ball more. I think he separates against man coverage better than Corey Davis. Yeah. He does. I mean, he just he moves a little bit better. Uh yeah. I, I just he annoys me because he's he's he is good, but you know, he's a guy you underestimate. Ah, screw it. And then he, you know, goes off to like, oh, okay, I guess I gotta give him love. And then he catches one ball for seven. You know, it's not his fault necessarily, but Juju was uh that was a real shock to me. And I think it, it really hurts Chase Claypool. And I know uh he was in the news recently for apparently some sort of bar altercation. That that's not great either. But um look, we know Deontay is getting the ball. Uh we were big Deontay people at fantasy points this year, like huge, like no one was higher. And week one, um, I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. He was dropping balls, but they kept going to him. Just kept dropping balls, and they kept going to him. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was great. You know, I said, well, okay. I said, look, I think he's A-B, basically, in this offense, which he kind of was. 11.2 targets per game uh, when he was out there not hurt. Uh, but Claypool ran only 27 routes per game, 74th among wide receivers. Juju led all receivers in routes. So I don't see where the growth is for Claypool. So it's good for Big That's Ben for now. Yeah, I really, I really did not think Juju was going back there. I thought with Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and James Washington, the Steelers had three good enough receivers. You know, that, right, sure. that one surprised me. Okay. I want to get your opinion on the Patriots' tight ends. Yeah. Which one's the right one to have, and how high should we draft? Like, we know when we do these drafts that it's Kelsey or Kittle if you're going to take a tight end early, and then there's like five rounds in between, it feels like, before you take anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Where are Janu Smith and Hunter Henry now on your hierarchy of where we're drafting tight ends? Which one's higher? Give me the breakdown. I mean, it's a it's not fun. I got. I don't know if you've ever been uh, old ticks exposed, Ross. Yeah. Um, the only time I believe I was old ticks exposed was. Uh, it sounds terrible, but when the Patriots drafted Gronk and Hernandez, I tweeted something like, "I mean, they're going to cannibalize one another, you know, for this year." I wasn't talking about long term. Of course, they made it look like long term. It, it kind of did come true, even though they they scored a lot of touchdowns. I, I don't. I think only one of them was in the top 12. 
and it was like lower. And then another one was like at, at 14. I mean, it certainly wasn't great. Um, it wasn't terrible. Um, but, you know, this is, like I said earlier, by the way, just to finish up on Will Fuller, do not like Will Fuller at all this year. Um, Tua was not good throwing the ball down the field. Only 38.7% of his passes thrown 20-plus yards down the field were completed. So just to wrap that up. But, you know, I've always been a huge Hunter Henry guy, and I think they're interchangeable. Um, I think he'll be the inline guy, but it's a run-based offense, and they're probably going to cannibalize one another. And the quarterback is – not that great. They don't throw it a lot. They threw it only 27.5 times per game, only completed 17 balls a year. So it's no matter how you it's slice it. a lot of it, money for two tight ends when your quarterback's not very accurate. You don't want to even throw the ball that much. I mean, I know they can use 12 personnel two tight ends at the same time. They can move them around. I know Cam is better in the middle of the field. It's just interesting to yeah, make them sure, the third and fourth sure. highest paid tight ends ever. Yeah, and look, Henry – you know, had 10.4 fantasy points per game last year. Um, I don't think he's going to hit that, you know, this year. Only 12 tight ends. It doesn't sound like a big number, actually. It's, you know, 10 points a game. Okay, it's decent, obviously. But only 12 tight ends hit that last year. And um, I don't – I haven't done the projections yet. So what I do is I'll break it down that way. I'll, I'll actually do the numbers and see where they come out in the rankings. But these are – at the end of the day, I think the only positive – is they are good at football. They're very good players in their own right. And uh, they're going to get less love because of the concerns. At some point, you'll be in a draft, like 140 overall. You're like, oh, what the hell? Give me Hunter Henry, right? Because otherwise, I don't know how you're actively like, all right, here we go. I'm here for my drafts. Got to get me Hunter Henry in the ninth round. I, I There's no way anyone's going to feel that way. That was very uh, like Larry David Seinfeldian right there. <laughs> they like the one thing they have going. They, they are good at football, which is which is good. So what I want, John, from people like uh, Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, I want fantasy points. Which, by the way, is an unbelievable name for a website. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all want. We want points. We want yep. fantasypoints.com. We want the code. 21 feasts so you get a little discount so they know i sent you fantasypoints.com i mean dolan usually goes over the whole roster but it's a ridiculous roster you have of studs in every way shape or form of fantasy can't highly recommend it enough fantasypoints.com use the code 21 feasts anything else john i missed that you need to promote make sure people are aware of no, I think you uh, you got it. Um, Greg Cosell's draft guide, obviously, is going to be coming oh, yeah. out uh, next month. We actually have built an app for it. So as opposed to printing out and reading online um, on your computer a PDF, it's it's real real nice app. So we'll have that, and we're going to build off of that for an app for the site. And then we're just going to expand on some tools that we built last year. You know, a lot of the other sites, their optimizers, for example, it's the same product that everyone else is using. They're just licensing it from the company. We developed our own, so I think you can get an edge with that. So, yeah, year number two for FantasyPoints.com. It's, uh, hey, no pandemic. It's going to kick ass, Ross. I love it. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. You got it. I'm stuffed. We're done. 
Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 